Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Yep. Um, we can see now that we're in the dark ages, two and a half years of COVIDian, um, we are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, and I guarantee it ain't a train. But today we're talking about anxiety and depression, a mechanical problem. Now, I, I got to um, tell you, all of this stuff is going to be on the drbvip.com. The second half tonight is going to be the censored information when we talk about vaccines, but also we're going to be talking about a number of lawsuits around the world that um, people are actually winning the right to make choices for themselves. I know, I know you're thinking that people aren't smart enough to make their own decision and we should go back to forced medical procedures without informed consent. But, you know, let's give people people a chance. So check out the drbvip.com site for sure. And just did a two-and-a-half-hour seminar this past weekend for Extreme Health Academy. Get on there. Um, you can join for, um, I think it's 14-day trial for nothing at Bergman 14 is the code. But get on there and experience people that have had real problems with real solutions. Now, we didn't do a talk last week because last week I was in um, Thailand. And we're over there looking at clinics and, uh, you know, just really changing the world. Now, I was able to work and teach and, and explain some of our methods from about 6 in the morning to 4 in the afternoon. So it was definitely not a relaxing vacation. <laughs> this was working, I was working my tail feathers off. And then we'd look at clinics in the evening because we are going to be setting up um, teaching for doctors, for patients, for everybody because nobody incorporates physical, chemical, and emotional stress. And I'm going to show a couple of pictures tonight. But when we talk about depression and anxiety, 54% of people who died by suicide didn't know they had a, a health condition. So if you are considering it, and remember, this is um, we're starting year three of two weeks to flatten the curve. And if you are following everything that the government recommends, you are going to be sad and depressed. You're going to be covering your face when you're around others. You're going to be social distancing, all of which leads to anxiety, stress, and depression. National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, call someone, talk to someone, okay, because this could be a forest is on fire. Now, I'm going to show you how to reprogram your subconscious, but the worst group um, that's being affected nowadays is people ages 10 to 24. We're talking children. Now, suicide rates for the children have tripled from 2007 to 2017. When we're looking at um, high school students, um, and, and it, you know, we're looking at suicide attempts, suicide adulation, suicide deaths, um, massive, massive increase. So when you have um, uh, children in your society so depressed and anxiety, with, and, and I'm going to talk about why our children are in sub deep, such deep shit trouble. Um, and this, the CDC says uh, youth suicide attempts soared during the pandemic. Of course they have, 23% increase in emergency room visits, 39% increase over wintertime. In 18 to 40 age group, we're looking at a massive increase in deaths. 
and not just from suicide. So what, what are the causes of this? Well, it's the three stressors physical stress, chemical stress, and emotional stress. But also, we're going to go into um, what is physical stress? Is lack of motion physical stress? Absolutely. And we're going to talk about stimulation to the brain. So physical stress, like if you know, and, and just look at the kids today, they've wiped out physical education. They've uh, told kids to isolate and do home education. What's that going to do for connection? See, any type of medical intervention, it has to be looked at through a risk-benefit ratio. So if some idiot tells you to mask your kid, um, and it can't, why don't you just ask them um, correct? It, the, the quality of life depends on the quality of questions you ask. So if someone tells you to cover your face with a mask, really, what are the benefits of that? Well, you're not going to be spitting on people, okay? What are the negatives of that? Well, you're going to be rebreathing in your own waste. So is spitting on people a major problem? Uh, or is aerosoling of that virus, is that a problem? Or is the weakening in the immune system the problem? So your quality of life absolutely depends on the quality of questions you ask. If you know that rebreathing in your own waste, covering your oxygen, um, and, and for kids, psychologically damaging because we communicate with a lot more than just words. We communicate with facial expressions, everything. So the risk-benefit ratio of putting a mask over a human being, there is virtually no comparison. The, the risk is horrible for just masking. And you could do the same thing for social distancing. You know, like a virus has a measuring stick. I mean, who comes up with this stuff? So physical, chemical, and emotional stress. The key with all three of those is they affect the autonomic nervous system. And your automatic nervous system is in two parts. Uh, one part keeps you alive under stress, and that's the fight or flight or sympathetics. The other part of your nervous system regenerates tissue, and that's the rest, digest, and repair. Now, under each one of those stressors, the sympathetic nervous system kicks up. And, you know, here's a great article out of Annals, an update of intensive emergency care. And they say chronic critical illness, regardless of the ideology, that means regardless of the cause, um, an autonomic dysfunction encompasses and is pivotal um, to the chronic critical illness. That means you got to look at the autonomic nervous system before you look at anything. And then we have um, different types of studies. And if, if you've been aware of the media control of our, um, the, the science, the dialogue, because science should always be questioned. And this is how science evolves. Uh, but we have the corporate media, who is controlled by the pharmaceutical industry, uh, as giving you one side of that. Now, here's an article out of um, Archives of Psychiatry uh, from the Scandinavia 2001. Now, 2001, we've learned things since the last 20 years. Um, and I'm going to read this study because if you think that the science is totally settled, that let's talk to the great god Fauci, can we have Christmas this year, Masa? Okay, 
here's the article. Selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors and violence, a review of the evidence available. Now, what this study did, they looked at the published papers on Medline and other databases linking serotonin uptake inhibitors, or SSRIs, and aggression. And what they found was that it shows an increase in anxiety in the initial phase, but no increase uh, to susceptibility, suicide, and uh, aggression. Uh, now, let's go to 2004. Um, and this is the International Journal of Risk and Safety in Medicine. What did they find? They did the study on suicidality, violence, and mania caused by SSRIs. Now, we just had an article two years earlier that said there's no issue. This one says, oh my gosh, evidence from many sources confirms that SSRI reuptake inhibitors are commonly cause and exacerbate a wide range of abnormal mental and behavioral conditions. This includes mild agitation, manic psychosis, agitated depression, obsessive compulsive preoccupations that are alien and uncharacteristic with the individual. Um, now, again, we could look at Prozac. They have a black box warning on there that says this will cause suicide, suicidality, and, and um, uh, increased risk compared to placebo of suicidal thinking and behavior and suicidality in children, adolescents, and young adults. So think of that. Now, if you look at the clinical pharmacology on these drugs, it says mechanism action is unknown. We believe it does something with serotonin, and the side effect is suicide and suicidality, so here, take this. Okay, let's do something a little bit different. For one, antidepressants are addictive and dangerous. Now, just looking at Prozac, because this is one of the most popular ones, <clears throat> quote, the effectiveness of Prozac in long-term use more than 13 weeks has not been evaluated in placebo-controlled trials. Think of that. People are taking this garbage for years, and they're not looking at the gut-brain connection. They're not looking at stimulation of the brain. They're not looking at anything. They're not looking at the physical, chemical, or emotional stressors. Now, one thing we're seeing a massive rise in is unipolar depression to bipolar depression. This is manic episodes and extremely depressive episodes. Did you know that if you are on an antidepressant for five years, you have a 50% chance of being diagnosed with bipolar disorder? Yeah, that's not good. So let's look at treating the symptom with a chemical that you don't know how it works, and that chemical, that drug, actually causes the symptom you're designed to treat. Um, how about we look at how the body actually works? Now, number one, and this was a great, great article, um, omega-3 fatty acid deficiency in neurodevelopment, aggression, and autonomic dysregulation. Um, mechanism by which aggressive and de depressive disorders may be exacerbated by nutritional deficiencies in omega-3 fatty acids. Um, optimal intake of omega-3 fatty acids during early development and adulthood shows considerable promise in preventing aggression and hostility. Wow, think of that, healthy fats. Now, Linus Pauling, who discovered vitamin C, won two Nobel Prizes, or the uses of vitamin C, 
actually developed orthomolecular psychiatry, which got severe schizophrenics back functioning in the world, okay, by taking care of their nutrient deficiencies. Here's another one out of Frontiers of Pharmacology, 2012. The keto diet program for diverse neurologic disorders. That means a keto diet or high-fat diet, and you don't want to be on keto all the time. You're talking like two weeks on, one week off. Two weeks on, three or three weeks on, one week off. And they found out this will help with epilepsy, headache, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, sleep disorders, brain, multiple sclerosis, so a number of different disorders. Now, our children are incredibly sick. We're looking at 20% of teens has a mental disorder. 37% drop out of school. Um, you know, one thing you haven't heard at all in the last two years is the autistic epidemic. And this is uh, an epidemic where we're losing a good hunk of our children. And in fact, top military leaders report that 7 in 10 young Americans, and we're talking age 17 to 24, are unfit to serve in the U.S. military because of obesity, asthma, hearing, sight problems, and mental illness. If you had 70% of young Americans, which is what we do, and 54% of our children have one of 20 chronic health conditions, that does not bode well for the strength and vitality of our economy or future. Now, one of the reasons is has to do with what they're exposed to. I mean, if you look at, at ethyl mercury or mercury, which is uh, thermiosol, it's in the vaccines, um, and it can also get inside of the drinking water, you got about two parts per billion of mercury is the maximum limit, two parts per billion in drinking water. Um, in fact, mercury in liquid waste of 200 parts per billion is toxic waste. That's hazardous. 25,000 parts per billion are found in infant flu shots, and 50,000 parts per billion are found in the regular flu shots. And this is a neurotoxic or nerve poison. And it's recommended for children, pregnant women, and elderly. And aluminum, forget about that. You're talking, if you're a 350-pound adult, the maximum aluminum that you can tolerate is 794 micrograms. At a well baby checkup, and this is a little infant, and we're talking, say, 15-pound kid, they get 1,000 micrograms. Now, this isn't safe for, you need to have a 400-pound infant in order to tolerate that number of the level of exposure. So now let's look at depression, what depression actually is. Now the, the ancient Greeks called it melancholy, which means black bile. I mean, and that's what it is. If you've ever had anxiety, stress, depression, I mean, this is, is the dark pit of hell. Now in the 17th century, anatomy of melancholy, um, with Robert Burton, who wrote the book in the 17th century, get this radical idea. A healthy diet, sufficient sleep, music, meaningful work, and talking uh, about the problem with a friend. Brilliant. Why don't we start doing that? In 1950, though, um, the discussion was that depression was from a chemical imbalance in the brain. Well, there has never been, ever, 
um, evidence of an imbalance in chemicals in the brain. In fact, a severe schizophrenic has the same chemicals as the standard doctor. Uh, no, I'm not comparing Dr. Fauci with other doctors. Okay, when we talk about a severe schizophrenic, I'm just talking about regular schizophrenics. Now, in the 60s and 70s, they thought they're going to divide up depression into manic depression or bipolar disorder. In the 80s, major depressive disorder was added to the Diagnostics and Statistics Manual. What we have, we have a perfect, perfect storm of toxins. Figure, to be alive, you've got to take in food. Now, are you getting healthy, organic, um, non-processed, nutrient-rich food, or are you getting processed, genetically modified? Well, the genetically modified foods are destroying your gut flora. Now, elimination, you should be having two to three bowel movements a day. What's the average? About one if you're lucky. Movement. Movement is a vitamin to the brain. So if you're moving, you're exercising a half hour um, every day. If you're moving your body at least an hour and a half every day, that means getting up, walking, bending, turning, twisting, lifting. That's a vitamin for the brain. Um, they've eliminated physical education. We're forcing our public to have a sedentary lifestyle, locking in their homes. And then when we look at social and mental health, do you have sufficient time for your friends, your family, yourself, or is your life out of balance? And health care, is the care that you're choosing working with the metabolic processes of your body, or is the doctor in his arrogance and ignorance giving you medications to alter your blood pressure, to alter your cholesterol, to alter your blood sugar? Why? Because he thinks he is right. Um, we have an alarming rise of Western degenerative brain diseases in our world, uh, like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, dementia, attention deficit disorder, um, depression, bipolar, fatigue. All of these things are at a rise. Now, what causes these disease? I'll tell you right now, trauma that alters the input to the brain, sedentary lifestyle that alters the input to the brain, Artificial toxins like uh, aspartame, which is a neurotoxin, pesticides, monosodium glutamate, vaccinations. So, I mean, I could put in there medications as well. Um, so physical, chemical, and emotional stress are the causative factors. Now, here, this, this uh, greatest article ever on Physiology Review, title of the article is Environment and Brain Plasticity towards endogenous pharmacotherapy. Endogenous means those substances that originate from within the organism. Pharmacotherapy is a treatment disease through administration of drugs. This means you create your own drugs. We already know that if you're exercising a half hour a day, human growth hormone can be increased over 700%. Does this mean that movement and strength um, that, that you're exercising and you're breathing every day actually helps? This article goes on to state, listen to this, brain plasticity refers to the remarkable property of cerebellar neurons to change their structure and function in response to experience. A fundamental theoretical theme in the field of basic research and focus um, for neural rehabilitation following brain disease. Well, when we look at this, the majority of our population has some type of brain damage. 
And that's kind of obvious for how they're responding to the governmental control. But, you know, uh, it, before that, okay, they were easily programmed. Now, let's look at the brain. You've got the lobe in the front called the frontal lobe. And this is where impulse control, anxiety, stress, depression, schizophrenia is. This is controlled by the cerebellum, by the brain on the back. Now, that cerebellum gets all its input from movement of the spine. So that means spinal movement, spinal input to that cerebellum can alter the frontal lobe. This is why we recommend symmetrical movements. Because asymmetry, where you're not moving the same, that alters the input to the cerebellum. If you've had some past physical trauma that causes you to walk a little crooked or if you have flat feet or you have an unstable pelvis, all of this stuff is going to be altering the input to that brain. Now, the frontal lobe, we're looking at um, problem-solving, spontaneity, memory, language, judgment, impulse control, and everything. Uh, you're looking at fewer spoken words, sexual behavior problems. I mean, there's a n number of issues. Now, this is out of the journal called Brain. Okay, inverse correlation between frontal lobe and cerebellar size in children, and certain cognitive behavioral deficits in uh, the frontal lobe are abnormal in patients with autism. Uh, and, but little anatomical research is available to either verify or refute this. And so this was a very small study, but looking at the frontal lobe actually physically changes in structure, and this is control. Now, um, uh, oh gosh, okay, this is out of trends in cognitive scientists. Cerebellar networks work with the cerebral cortex and basal ganglia. Now, what that means in, in, in English is that you change the input to that cerebellum. You're changing that frontal lobe function. That's anxiety, stress, and depression. Um, now, the cerebellum is only 10% of the volume of the brain, but it houses 80% of the brain's total neurons. So stimulation of that cerebellum is everything and how do you stimulate it uh, we're looking at movement correct movement so you have to look at the physical stressors you and and this is going to be one of the keys to correct schizophrenia Tourette's autism Parkinson's bipolar disorder depression exercise we know helps with brain function. Why? If we do symmetrical exercises, this is why I'll give patients ankle weights to swing their legs. You treat depression like there was a stroke. Then you have the enteric brain, the gut-brain connection, hugely important. In fact, the gut contains 100 million neurons, more than either the spinal cord or the peripheral nervous system. Now, this secondary brain, the gut brain, gut behavior, independent control of the brain. 90% of the fibers in the visceral nerve, the vagus nerve, carry information from the gut to the brain. What that means, the one nerve that's responsible for digestion, secretion, motility, everything, that's only 10% of that function. 90% of it brings information to the brain. And what do we have? We've got a number. I'm going to show a bunch of kids with ulcerative colitis, ulcerative colitis behavior issues, um, and chronic be, um, constipation behavior issues.
does anyone think that these kids have had physical, chemical, and emotional stressors? Absolutely they have. And so we really got to address it. And then how many kids out there are taking asthma, okay, steroids? Well, glucocorticosteroids, and this, this is um, hydrocortisone, prednisone, cortisone. I mean, it's, it's prescribed from rashes to lupus to asthma. Listen to the title of this article, and this is the American Journal of Psychiatry. Suicidal Behavior in Severe Neuropsychiatric Disorders Following Glutocorticoid Steroid. Um, steroids should not be just passed out. Soda, could it be causing your depression? That's processed foods. Why? Because those processed foods alter the psychobiotics, the manipulation of the gut bacteria. And we got the gut-brain connection. So you've got to heal the gut and stimulate the brain. Heal the gut and stimulate the brain. Now, um, the plasticity of the brain is based on repetition. And that's why we like, and stimulation of movement, is neuro-linguistic programming. Now, it involves body posture, volume, intonation, and breathing. Why body posture? Well, think, you're sitting up straight. You're changing the influence to the cerebellum. Breathing. Why breathing? Well, that little three-pound brain burns about 90% of the body's oxygen. Volume and intonation is huge for putting that impression in. And we call it the I am exercise because I am is very powerful. If you've ever read the Bible, the Torah, the Koran, I am, remember Moses on the mountain and the burning bush gives him great information and says, Bush, this is fantastic. What do I call you? And what does the bush say? I am that I am. So I am is powerful. Um, and it's one of the, the, the ways to imprint that subconscious, and you imprint on that subconscious through repetition, not through static information, just like practice in tennis. You swing that racket multiple times, you're going to get better at it. Same thing with this, volume, intonation, breathing, okay, and body posture. You say, I am before a group of words. Now, I'm going to pass this out tonight, the handout, but think of this. I'm enthusiastic. I'm fulfilled. I'm compassionate. I'm fascinated. I'm friendly. Now, these are not affirmations. You don't have to believe them. You just have to repeat it over and over. And we recommend it pretty much 10 minutes, three times a day. Then, what do we always put as one of our five things? Meditation. And this is just calmly sitting in an upright position, deep breathing. And they say meditation can actually alter the physical structure of the brain. Because what happens under meditation? You're getting from that stress state to the parasympathetic, the nervous system state. So three things you've got to correct. Physical stress, you do that by chiropractic adjustments, the exercises, and movement. Emotional stress, um, and this is your perception of the environment. This is when you do that neurolinguistic programming. And then chemical stress, medications, toxic food, lack of sleep. You can change that chemical stress by a healthy organic diet. And I'm talking organic meats, organic vegetables, everything. So you can see, take charge of your brain. But you have to realize that depression and anxiety, schizophrenia, are an adaptation to a toxic and deficient lifestyle. 
to, from a, a, it's an adaptation to past traumas. So identify the problem and correct it. This is why at the end of every lecture, I'll put the five keys to health, proper nerve supply. Why do you have proper nerve supply? Because this stimulates that brain's function and you live your life through the nervous system. Exercise, this means symmetrical exercise every day. What days of the week? Every day. You've got to do it at least a half hour to an hour exercise every day. Proper nutrition. This doesn't mean vegan. Okay, this means a plant-based diet, which means the majority of your diet is plant. Okay, you're still eating animal products. So, you know, every time I say plant-based diet, people say, oh, my God, he's a vegan. No, you know, meat is good for you if it's a healthy animal. If you choose to be a vegetarian, beautiful. You don't need it to live. But there is no vegan culture. So you do, if you're a vegan, you've got to supplement with B12. Then you've got to have sufficient rest. This means getting that full seven, seven and a half hours of sleep every night, not waking up to pee. And then prayer and meditation, absolutely essential. Now, all this stuff will be on the Dr. BVIP tonight. Um, just know the next part of this when we talk about um, the COVID religion, uh, we've got some great news. Like, like number one, because we only have a, a few more minutes, is that in New Zealand, which is one of the most um, authoritarian regimes everywhere, the high court ended the vaccine mandate and they called it a gross violation of human rights. So people are waking up, thank God, we're going to get our world back. This is Dr. John Bergman, your advocate for health and common sense. God bless you, and I love you.